In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Uh, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together, uh, and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. I want to talk about the sound uh, from heaven. What I read in your hearing this morning is indeed the sound of Pentecost. Brothers and sisters, our ears are trained to hear the sounds of this world. Uh, we hear people laughing and we hear people talking. Uh, we hear people that are driving trucks and cars up and down the road. We hear the sounds of jet airplanes and airplanes flying overhead. We hear the sounds of babies playing and crying and, and the sounds of people working. But above all things, church, we need to hear from heaven today. When the rushing mighty wind came in upon the day of Pentecost that I render you hearing today, it was as though God broke through uh, once again, much the same way uh, that he had done at Sinai and other places that you find in the word of God. Uh, on this day, Pentecost broke through the nation's uh, religious deadness. Uh, it broke through the disciples' fears and uncertainties, and it broke through the spiritual bondage of the human race itself. Uh, God broke, broke through to bring a new thing and to bring a new era uh, into the lives of spiritual humanity. This sound from heaven on that day not only made an impact uh, among the Christians in the upper room, but it affected the entire community uh, that was around about them. May I remind you today, uh, when you and I are filled with the Spirit of God, people uh, will want to know what's going on within our life. People begin to come out of their businesses, they came out of their homes, and they begin to demand an exclamation uh, from the disciples and apostles as to what was going on in the upper room that day. A sound from heaven gets the attention of the world and it will ignore, if you will, uh, the uh, sounds of the human contrived religions of this world. May I just say this in passing. If the early church had to have and needed the baptism in the Holy Spirit with power of God to see the church grow, how much more do we need the power of God in our life today to see the church to continue? Brothers and sisters, it is not enough uh, just to meet on Sunday at two times or three times a week. We must have a fellowship with God every day of our life. I have traveled into Spain and Romania and Africa along with many of you here and other places around the world. And I see beautiful buildings and they're as dead as last year's bird's nest on the inside, uh, just as weak as anything can be. And yet we have all the beautiful churches in America, uh, churches on every corner. But where, my friend, is the power of the Almighty God? It's as if though we come to have a memorial service uh, to a God that used to be, or we talk about a God that may come one day. But where is the God of the church today? Who is the God that has the sound from heaven uh, that still wants to be outpoured upon us today? Are we not hungry? Are we satisfied with the status quo? Uh, is it the fact we think it's not for today? Where are we are? I pray, dear God, don't let me eat uh, from the crumbs uh, that fell from the table of yesterday's revival, but Lord, let me have a living bread of life that flows out of 
glory today that we might have the power of the Lord. Church, let me tell you, I believe it's going to take signs and wonders accompanying the preaching and the teaching of God's word uh, to get the attention of this world today. Uh, You can tell people all the time, Jesus loves you. They don't care. You can tell them they don't get saved. They're going to hell. They don't care. Uh, You can tell them they're lost as a ball on the highways. They don't care. Uh, You can tell them they have a relationship with God. They don't care. But I tell you one thing, if you and I will get on fire for God and burn, people will come and watch us burn for the glory of God. We must say, God, we don't want a visitation of your spirit. We need a habitation of the Holy Ghost of God today in our church and in our lives. When I was a kid growing up, I was not made to go to church, but I attended a little Methodist church where we lived beside of us. It was dead as it could be. That particular Methodist church that I'm talking about, it was as dead as dead could be. I learned more about a military. I learned more about a moral of a story. I learned nothing whatsoever about Jesus. I remember the pastor standing at the back door begging people uh, to come to the altar so he could fill out a report that somebody came to the altar, not got saved, but could fill a report out that somebody came to the altar that year. But you know what? Assembly God Church down the road, they were cooking. And it tweaked my interest. And I walked into that building and the first time in my life I heard the gospel preached. I heard utterances in tongues. I heard it followed by interpretation. I heard prophetic words given. I saw people standing in line on Sunday night to give their heart to Jesus. I watched some of my friends walk down a long aisle and come to an old-fashioned altar that was lost as lost could be, that was empty as empty could be, was as bound by, by sin as sin could bind them up. And I heard them pray a prayer, and I saw the light click on in their soul, and they were born again, and that intrigued me. And I'll tell you what, we emptied out that revival, emptied out that Methodist church. But only they emptied out that Methodist church, the water began to spread throughout the community. And that little, that little Assembly of God church grew and grew and grew. For six years, we saw the presence and the power of God do things that would simply blow the mind of people. My friend, it was a sound that fulfilled prophecy. Centuries before this, God promised the visitation of the Spirit uh, through the prophet Joel. In Joel chapter 2, 28 through 32, the Bible said, It shall come to pass. Afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaidens in those days will I pour out my spirit and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth blood and fire and pillars of smoke. He would no longer place his spirit upon a select few people from a particular nation. But now everyone that is born again has the potential and the command of God to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, God would move upon men like Elijah, move upon men like Elisha, move upon men like Samson, and the Spirit of God would work through them and do great feats. But when those people died, it was as if though the Spirit died within them, which that's not true. He moved upon them, but did not possess them. In the Old Testament, God moved upon people, used them, and then departed. Would it not be great to have been able to transfer that power that to their sons and to their daughters, but it did not work that way? In the Old Testament, God moved upon them, but today God has moved in us. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Spirit of the living God, and he wants to dwell in us that he might work through us and do great exploits for his glory and for his honor. Uh, praise God, Pentecost, uh, it ushered in a new era. 
Now the Spirit would work. It was not limited to a group of people, to individual people, or to a particular nation. But to all who are born again, this promise is unto you and to your children, to as many that are far off, even to as many as the Lord your God shall call. Let me tell you something. People say, when I got saved, I was filled with the Spirit. You're absolutely right. It is the Holy Spirit that baptizes us into the body of Christ. And when that happens, we are like a cup. It is filled with the Spirit of God. But when Jesus died and rose from the grave and sent back to heaven, he promised that he would baptize us in the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that baptizes us into Christ. It's Jesus that baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. We're saved, we're filled, but then Jesus baptizes us and it begins to run out of the saucer gets a blessing. Does that make sense? He said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Praise God. Now, the Spirit's not limited to a few people, but to every one of us that are born again, we have access to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. The young and the old, thank God the young people can be swept up in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Thank God this is not an old person's religion. Hey. You have to be 16 years of age to drive a car. You have to be 18 years of age to vote. You have to be 21 years of age to legally consume alcoholic beverages. And sometimes the church has come across to say, you got to be 21 years of age before the rivers of living water can flow out of your belly. Friend, that simply is not the case. This is not an old-timey religion today. We send our children to youth camp. We send our kids to youth camp and children's camp. And around those altars, they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then they're brought back to a home, brought back to a church, where sometimes not enough power of God around the altars to sustain them. I'm going to tell you, if we as a church uh, will teach them the word of God, if there'll be enough power of God around the altars, uh, they'll not be drinking from the pigsties of this world. If there's enough meat behind the pulpit, uh, they won't have to uh, to eat uh, the crumbs that fall from the table of the devil. Uh, If we will provide the atmosphere, they should be baptized weekly and should be renewed uh, daily in their life as we seek the face of God together. May I say to all that are working with children today, strive to be baptized in the Holy Spirit for that class of students that you're teaching, whether it be Sunday school or missionettes or Royal Rangers or youth or nursery or children's church, be filled with the Spirit of God. We're not there babysitting and we're not there entertaining. We are there ministering under the anointing and the unction of the Spirit of the Lord. And people have said, well, our kids are too young to understand that. Let me tell you something, beloved. They're exposed to pornography, sex, drugs, alcohol, and violence while they're in elementary school. And if we can expose them to a good dose of the Holy Ghost, it'll give them what they need to have victory, uh, to walk in those public schools and have victory for the glory of God. I am burning for our children. I am burning for our teenagers today, but I gotta hasten. Thank God, he said he would pour his spirit on the old as well. Nobody ever gets too old to outgrow their need for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, sometimes the older we get, the more ferocious the battles become. Uh, Sometimes the older we get, uh, the more hand-to-hand combat uh, that we have with the enemy uh, of our soul today. You never come to a place of maturity in life that there's no longer room for the Holy Spirit of God. There is a supernatural power working overtime to rob and to kill and to destroy, but we can get hold of a supernatural power of God who has come to give life and that life more abundantly and a supernatural power of God uh, that will sustain us and keep us and thrive through us in this day that we live in. 
My dear old great-grandmother was 90-some years of age. She was so blind, she had to peel apples like this to see them. She lived in a three-room house, never left that house for anything to my knowledge. I don't remember going to the grocery store. I don't remember going to the doctor. She lived in that house and sat on the front porch. And one day as I would see her about every other day, I said, Grandma, you got it made. What you mean? I said, you got it made. I said, the devil don't bother you no more. You don't have no more trials and no more tests. And nobody bugs you. You don't talk to nobody. You're ready to go home to heaven. You got it made. She said, boy. Or she said, son. Son, the battles are harder today than they've ever been in my life. The devil turns me which way but loose today more than he ever has in my life. I said, why? And you know why? There's a soul he still wants to destroy. Amen. And so many times in life we think, well, we just arrive and, and no, let me tell you, be filled with the Spirit of God. Yes. Don't you be so old in your thinking and don't be so old in your body that you think that you no longer are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. I believe if we get pumped up with God no matter how old we are, we can be like Caleb of old. Give me that mountain because greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in this world. I'm going to tell you, this is for everybody. I don't care how old you are. Get off your pity pot this morning. Put on your big boy drawers. Put on your big girl bloomers today and let's be full of the Spirit of God and see what he'll do with us in every generation for the glory of God. Poor old Wilbur Walker. He hadn't been here in about three years. But Wilbur and I go visit with him several times a month. I pray for you every day, Pastor. I can't leave my house, but I pray for you every day. And Pastor, the nurse came by the other day, home health, and led her to Jesus. She brought her friend back, led her to Jesus. Let me tell you something, he's full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You say, well, I've got the Holy Ghost baptism, I speak in tongues, but I ain't found the power yet. Let me tell you something. If you go put a brand new battery in your car and you fill up with gas, it ain't gonna do nothing but sit there and look pretty. But when you turn the key and put that bad boy in drive room, something's going to happen, praise God. You and I can be baptized in the Holy Spirit and we may sit here, look pretty, say nothing's happened. If you'll get off your blessed assurance and go on the highway and the byway and say, God, I'm here. Let my mouth be open and share what you said. The power of God will work through you, praise the Lord. You've got to use what God has given you. Well, if I feel the unction, I'll go. No, you go and you'll get the unction. Amen. I got to hurry. On the young and the old, I'll pour out my spirit. Even on the humble servants, he promised to pour out his spirit to empower them to speak forth God's message. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to get this. You can be a garbage collector and have it. You don't have to ride a Mercedes Benz. You can ride a doodle bug and have it. It don't matter if you're educated, uneducated, black, white, red, or yellow, rich, poor, blind, or have sight. Whosoever will, praise God, can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We said the sound from heaven fulfilled prophecy. Jeremiah 31, 33. We read the scripture as soon as we get it up. <clears throat> Thank you. That's not it. 3133, thank you. Call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. The sound from heaven announced that the time had arrived. When Jesus died on the cross, 
He rose from the grave. He ascended back to the right hand of God the Father. And he gave a command from the empty tomb. And it said, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. That is not an option. That is a command. And now his word is confirmed. Secondly, it was a sound that proclaimed the lordship of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, when the high priest went into the Holy of Holies once a year, if he was not dressed properly, if he was not cleansed, cleansed properly, he could die. We've been talking about that on Wednesday nights. He would put on his epode, he'd put on his priestly garment, and they would tie a rope around him, and he would go into the, pull that curtain back from the holy place to the holy holies, and he'd walk in there and present every sacrifice up the way God intended. On the end of his epode were pomegranate pieces of pomegranate, whatever, and as long as he was moving, they could hear the jingling, almost like a bell clicking, clattering. And all the people, I'm sure, as many could, had their ears up to that tent to see and to hear, rather, was he still alive? And once that blood was shed upon the mercy seat, he would moonwalk out of there. And they say, praise God, our sins are covered for another year. When the Holy Spirit was sent down on the day of Pentecost, to me, that's the bell of the Old Testament high priest. God has accepted the gift of his son's blood. I know the speaking in tongues is evidence, physical evidence, of having received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But every time I hear somebody speaking in tongues, I say, the blood that Jesus shed is still working today for the whosoever wills of this world we live in now. It testified the fact that all the claims that Jesus made were true and, we, and, and again, is seated at the right hand of God the Father. In Acts chapter 2, uh, verses 32 uh, through 36, uh, we read these particular words. Uh, thus Jesus hath God raised up whereof we are all witnesses therefore being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost has sent shed forth this which you do now see and hear. Praise God. Jesus not only is the sinner's only Savior. He is not only Lord. He is the sinner's only Savior. He said again in Acts 2.38 be baptized. Therefore, Peter said, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for remission of sins and ye shall receive the Holy Ghost. We receive the gift of salvation when we're saved, but to save people, he wants us to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He alone can forgive sin and he alone can baptize us in the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, the sound from heaven was a sound that announced the door of salvation is open to all whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This was the climax of the message of Joel himself. And it strongly was emphasized by Peter in Acts 2.21. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The whosoever, the whosoever is that salvation is available to the entire world. Not just to the Jewish population. Not just to the, this one or that one. But everybody. That's why we support missionaries around the world. That's why we send people to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. That's why we have people going to France, people all around the world. I got an invitation the day before yesterday to go to Iraq in Babylon sometime this fall. Why? Oh man, my wife won't let me go, but I'm going to try anyway. 
to take the gospel to beyond the walls because people are dying and they're going to hell and they need this Jesus. Thirdly, fourthly, it was a sound of new spiritual power. The power that Jesus spoke about in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 where he says, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and all Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Friends, it comes by the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's not pumped up flesh. It's not something as long on muscularity and short on spirituality. It is the supernatural power of God. The power enables we as believers to fulfill the Great Commission and to be a witness in our daily life. Amen. I'm going to tell you, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not about tongues. It's about the harvest. Yes. It's not a, we, when you receive the Holy Spirit, the physical evidence is speaking in tongues. But we've emphasized tongues to the point that we forgot about the harvest. Jesus said, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send for the laborers into the harvest field. My mom, I was, I stayed my mom's house uh, for a couple nights this past week with a funeral up in Virginia that I conducted. Mom put a garden out every year. She put one out this year. It was smaller, but she put one out. Nobody tended to it. I went up there. I could not find the beach for the weeds had taken it over. The beans never came up, the, 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 the grass and the weeds took it over. I found three cucumbers that were so big they rotted. There's a few stalks of corn that are growing and they might get a couple of ears of corn off of it. But there's nothing to harvest because the tares and the, wheat, the, the, the weeds have taken it over. And sometimes we as Christians, we look at the world and we see the harvest has been overtaken by the weeds of sin and the tares of deception and the bondages and the strongholds that Satan has put there. And we go, you know what? There's more weeds than there is anything to pick. I'm just going to leave it alone. But Jesus said we're to go into that harvest field. And he's given us the power and the authority through the Holy Spirit of God to go out and reap a harvest. I do not want this church to stand before God from the pulpit to the back door and say, how could you sit on such a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful harvest field and watch the wheat and the tares, weeds and tares take it over when I've given you the sickle of my word and I've given you the power of the Holy Ghost to go bulldoze that stuff down. I remind you again, it is not an option. It is a command of the Almighty God. Before the day of Pentecost, the disciples were hiding behind closed doors, scared. They were not out in the streets witnessing to Jesus Christ. But the day they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, people began to flock to them. And they stood up in the midst of the very crowd that weeks before had said, crucify Jesus, crucify Jesus. And they thought the same thing would happen to them. But now they came out of the bold as a line, said, hey, that Jesus you crucified, he come back from the grave. Yeah. He's alive and he's empowered us to tell you, you can be saved. Amen. And the word they preached was like butter going through a knife. The conviction pricked their hearts. 
3,000 souls were saved. And it did not stop there. He said in Acts, uh, on further down in the book of Acts, uh, he, he said the following day at Pentecost, they continued to witness in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord added daily those that should be saved, praise God. And they were saved daily. And Acts 2, 3, and 4 tells us that fire set upon them, tongues of fire on each of them, and they were all filled. Get that. Each and all. Each and all. Each and all. The biblical record of Pentecost, what the Spirit did to them and the whole company. It's not an option, friend. It is a command of God. In John 14, 16, and I'll pray the Father and he'll give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. We get nothing from the Lord by our merit. It's only what we get is through the merit of what Jesus Christ did by his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension. He has gone back to the right hand of God the Father today and he's praying for you and he's praying for me that we be baptized in the Holy Spirit of God. Why? I've seen people say, I, I'm so hungry for the Lord, say, I want the Holy Spirit baptism. They get baptized in the Spirit, say, well, now I can sit down on my blessed assurance like everybody else. It's not a climax. It's a beginning of a brand new relationship with Jesus. You'll never be any cleaner than the day you got saved. You'll be no more or less loved than the day you got saved. If you're an idiot before you get the Holy Spirit baptism, you're going to be an idiot after you get the Holy Spirit baptism, okay? He's not going to alter your personality. He's going to give you power. He's going to give you power. And little as much in the hand of God. And I want you to know you're loved so much that God gave his best. And you're loved so much, God wants to fill you to overflowing with his power that we might be witnesses and lights in this crazy world.